Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing. Recorded at the PW offices in New York City, I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly and Co-Editor of PW Comics World. Check us out at publishersweekly.com slash comics. And I'm Heidi McDonald. I am also co-editor of PW Comics World as well as the reviews editor for Publishers Weekly and the editor-in-chief of The Beat at comicsbeat.com. And I'm Kate Fitzsimmons. I'm the podcast producer. And don't forget, you can subscribe to More to Come on iTunes. And we're on social media at facebook.com slash pwcomicsworld. Uh, on Twitter, we're at pwcomicsworld. And on Tumblr, we're pwcomicsworld.tumblr.com. This week on More to Come, we're going to take a look at the recent Baltimore Comic Con and the Harvey Awards. Uh, We're going to take a look ahead at the uh, upcoming Small Press Expo, that's SBX to to the U Insiders. We're going to take a look at Salt Lake City and the crazy numbers coming out of it. And Reed Pop is uh, in partnership with India Comic Con. Comic Cons are growing up everywhere. Then the news brief. So let's get right to it. Heidi, you were there at Baltimore Comic Con. I was at Baltimore. I was on the scene. And, you know, uh, we talk uh, many, many times about cons growing, and uh, Baltimore is one of them. It's gone from a two-day show to a three-day show. And they went Mm -hmm. from the smaller of the two halls to the bigger of the two halls. And uh, so, uh, you know, I'm not sure that it really expanded that much. I mean, I was told Mm -hmm. that the attendance was up about 20%, or ticket sales are up about 20%. Um, I mean, it certainly on Saturday wasn't empty. I don't think it was that much more crowded, uh, but the room was a lot bigger and Friday was very quiet, but they mm. usually are. The typical yeah. typical, um, typical pattern, but you know, everybody loves Baltimore mm. because yeah. it's very laid back. Uh, it's unstressful. There's uh-huh. an amazing lineup of cartoonists. I mean, Dave Gibbons, Alan Davis, uh, Walt Simonson. Uh, the list goes on and on and on. Right. I mean, if they're really terrific, terrific guests. And uh, people had fun. I, you two mm-hmm. should go to it sometime. You get a very <laughs> I, cheap it's hotel. True. It's yeah. so easy to get to. You just take the train or the bus. You drive down. You can get a cheap hotel room if you want. Yeah, it's a I, real nice comics vacation. I may have to start at least coming down for uh, for a day and seeing what's up yeah. because uh, I really have never been there. So and yeah, and everyone has great praises for it. Uh, and it's it's it seems to have gotten better over the last few years. It has, yeah, it has. I but I really praise yeah. it. And I mean, it always has a really, mm-hmm. like I said, a really stellar guest list and the best part about it is that you really get time to hang out with the guests mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um you know they're not they're not as stressed out so uh you know, you know they had some people i hadn't seen in years there they had rick veach uh mm-hmm. yeah. one of one of my absolute yeah, fa- sure. favorite cartoonists my former sure. boss as a matter uh-huh. of fact he was there i hadn't seen him in about a decade uh he's overcoming some uh some health issues actually just uh he, he had a lot of trouble getting around because of arthritis but he's back he's Selling his artwork. Uh, Gerhard, the background artist on Cerebus, was there. Uh, I hadn't seen him in 20 years. So it's like (laughs) a home week for me. Uh, I guess, you know, from a business standpoint, I think it's really interesting just watching how these mid-level cons grow. Um, I I wrote a piece about it for uh, for Publishers Weekly, and, like, No Brow was there. I'm not sure they really sold gangbusters, but um, as Tucker Stone said, it was a good place to meet new... I mean, I'm assuming it's a more of a superhero-oriented show, but, you know, certainly No Brow was... If if No Brow was there, there is a, a diverse... Right or the possibility of a diverse yeah well, you uh, know I fans. I think there is a lot of uh, typical kind of older superhero fans there that mm. go to buy original art the same is true of Heroes Con um, 
but I don't, I, you know, the audience for comics is so diverse. You know, yeah. I did a panel with Brett Schenker, who does a lot of Facebook research, mm. and, we, and we talked oh, yeah. about mm. that. And, uh, you know, he looked at the numbers. And, I mean, it's very diverse. It's mixed. It's, you know, it's about 50-50 uh, men, women, maybe. Awesome. Maybe 40, yeah. you know, 40, 60. So within yeah, yeah. that golden mm-hmm. mean that we talk about so yeah. much. Um, I did an awesome gender in comics panel with Christina Blanche, uh, Professor Christina Blanche, uh, with Carla Speed McNeil, um, a couple of other people. Uh, you know, when Carla's on a panel, though, it's really hard to top her. <laughs> well, that's for sure. <laughs> she is so hilarious. And uh, so, I, you know what? I mean, I think, I think we're not going to see cons like this, you know, totally go over the calf route. But, but I, you yeah. know, I, I saw... Mm-hmm. I saw people buying a lot of different kinds of comics yeah. there. There's a lot of diversity. Yeah, I mean, that. Boom was set up, as I mentioned. Mm-hmm. They sold uh, gangbusters mm-hmm. of Lumberjanes and, right, yes. and Adventure oh, okay. Time. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think the Adventure Time yeah. generation has really... Was there a book? I mean, was there, was there a book anybody was, I, were all talking as about? As I or? mentioned in my, my piece, I think The Woods was actually a book a lot of people bought because the writer, James Tinian, was oh, there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was just out from Boom and, uh, you know, the Little Nemo collection. So. Ah, I mean, yes. It, yes. Yeah, we that, that, that little... That, that amazing... We'll, yeah, but we'll have an interview with them coming up. And so, I don't know, Great. Kate, what do you think? Do you think that the, you know, the audience, uh, that Adventure Time audience is more, well, more diverse? Yeah, I think they're, yeah, they're think more so diverse too. than who were coming into comics before because there's stuff there that won't scare them off when they come in. Because I feel like, you know, every generation you get a bunch of kids who like some comics and are like, yeah, now I'm old enough to go to the comic book store on my own. I'm going to buy some. Right. Eh, I don't care. Happens a lot to a large, there's a large demographic mm-hmm. die off. Um, but I think the stuff, there's enough indie or, or maybe not indie, but like pseudo indie stuff out there to catch the quirkier reader that they mm-hmm. don't need to be lucky enough to go to some really encyclopedic store to find mm-hmm. that, you know, yeah, they're picking up the image books. They're picking up the boom books. They're, you know. And the core of that Adventure Time, these Adventure Time, um, the, anim- the animations are indie comics. Mm-hmm. Right, I mean, that's right. the they're, core, they're, the look and the, the, and what the humor. I, what I'm saying is that when they, there have been, um, very indie cartoons before as C. Ren and Stimpy and stuff, but there haven't been yeah. things easily accessible in the, well, what does mainstream even mean? Easily accessible and easily found right. comics mm-hmm. that can feed that demographic once right. they go to comic well, stores. I was talking to one person at Boom, and, uh, you know, if you read my writings about going to shows, even from five years ago, I noticed that when you went through Artist Alley, people like, um... Mike Mayhack was selling his cute little superheroes, you know, and, and Stephanie Buscema and, and, you know, now discredited, but, uh, you know, even JLA. <laughs> I mean, it's like everywhere you went, I saw these people selling these cute things and I was calling it cute core. And I was like, when are the mainstream publishers going to catch on yeah. to the fact that this is, you know, people are buying tons of this stuff. And, and I really think that that cute core has gone mainstream now, you well, know? You know, I, I think there's always been, I mean, I think it's, it's a slightly different sort of a, Venn diagram overlap yeah, with Adventure ab- Time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Adventure Time sort of goes off into weird land. But, you know, the cat video demographic mm-hmm. can be exploited <laughs> by things other than cat videos. Yes, absolutely, you know. The things that make people go, aw, that's yeah, so I, I, cute. I know. And, you know, just this week, um, DC revealed those Darwin Cook covers. Yeah. And, I mean, I don't think that anyone could look at the Supergirl one with Supergirl with with Streaky and Crypto and Comet and not yeah. say, 
why aren't they doing more with streaky and crypto and comet yeah yeah okay well, okay there good. are reasons they're not doing <laughs> comet we won't go into why they're not yeah. doing comet well, all right, but, but, it was a little but, kinky, but, but, but streaky and crypto sure yeah yes well one thing i have just my own personal um uh did, you know feeling of being of talking with people about comics and talking with people who are not necessarily obsessed with comics like most of the people I know. Mm. Uh, the Adventure Time crowd has spread uh, way farther. I mean, you mentioned Ren and Stippy, which was always still kind of an insider's, even though it was on TV. I'm finding people that I, you know, l- I mean, even adults who are telling me how much they love the Adventure Time comics and um, the, well, the, the animations, and mm. in many cases have also seen the, the comics. Right, right. So... This this thing is spreading a little wider yeah, and than I, I maybe think, we've seen in the past. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, I mean, I don't feel like, uh, you know, hardcore arty comics are, are quite the scene at Baltimore Comic Con yet. And, mm. you know, I, I think No Brow probably, like they said, they sold more of their really cool Leporello Those comics. Books are, they, mm-hmm. they didn't yeah, really they're sell. They just dropped it. Yeah, although, I, you know, any, anywhere you can't sell Luke Pearson's work with Hilda, the Hilda books, you yeah. know, I, I, I despair of. But... But, uh, you know, people were definitely, not just in my crowd, talking about the Little Nemo book. And yeah. and uh, there's just a groundswell of diversity. And, um, the, you know, Calvin, we were seeing some numbers today that indicated that graphic novel sales yes. are up for the year. Yes, yeah. We saw some and, book scan numbers. Yeah. Up, up and 10%? Yeah, 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 yeah. And we'll, you know, be talking about that mm-hmm. more, I'm sure, in the future. But, um, you know, somebody asked me, why do you think that is? And I said, I just think there's better, more, better there's comics. There's better of there's more, more they're available in more, 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 well, yeah. and they're more available reason. in more places. Yes. yes. Yeah, I mean, I think we can't underestimate the importance, the vital importance of ebook comics. Absolutely. In, not only in just bringing people into ebook comics and just buying them on their iPad or whatever, but that in order to know these comics exist, you have to see them somewhere. Right. And if someone throws a link at you and you look at it, it may get you caring enough about comics to do all kinds of things with comics, both e-comics or or going to a store or going mm-hmm. to a con. Right. That it's that that there had always been this gap between you see the cartoon or you see the movie and you look up, you know, your local comic book store in the phone book. Mm-hmm. Now there isn't that gap. That gap is filled by e-comics if you have a computer you know, or the, the person yeah. who does that. You know, or to be honest, the evils of Amazon. But, you know. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, you, but I mean. You can get comics whether there's a good comic store anywhere near you yeah, or right. not. Well, but, but I feel like Amazon is more still on the comic store end because you have to specifically look up and be willing to pay like 20 bucks in order to get your big, thick right. volume. Whereas, you know, there's a lot of the first volume is free. The first volume yeah. is a dollar. You click on the link. You see it. You impulse purchase one issue that brings people who are not going to initially make a monetary investment or a time investment to give something a try and follow Absolutely. in love. Right, right, right. And I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, you know, this is just an ongoing process that we've talking about, you know, with Tumblr and, and Twitter mm-hmm. and everywhere. I mean, you get, you can find exposure. If you're good enough, I yes. think you can get exposure. Uh, Absolutely. We live yeah. in a sharing so culture. many more yeah. platforms, both for pay and for free. Yeah. For you to, to get comics of, of any kind of type, right. it's, it's it's really comics a great time. Comics are growing up. It's Pow a great bang, time. Pow's bang. It's a good comics time. To be a comics fan. It's a great and, time. And that was certainly reflected at the Harveys. And you know, I was on uh, this uh, the comics by the numbers panel that Brett and I put together, where we talked about mm-hmm. I, it's on. You know what? It's on video. I'll make sure that we get the video linked up in the next issue cool. of the newsletter for you regular uh, listeners. So because cool. Brett had yeah. some really awesome stats, I went through some older surveys, and yeah. and the audience had great questions. Really engaged 
and uh, and then even on the gender and comics panel uh that I was on um you know there's just so much so much happening with this whole explosion of the diversification of comics uh, you know on the gender and comics panel we were taking again it was a packed room uh good questions there was this girl uh, I mean, you know, there was this African-American girl who was dressed as uh, a Sailor Moon character, okay. you know, and and she kept raising her hand to ask a question. And and what she asked was, what do you think of that Milo Minara Spider-Woman cover? And I was, I was like, I didn't expect to hear that from Sailor Moon, you know, and I, but but I mean, I think that issue of that cover is just really caught people's imaginations. Oh, really, a doubt. I think people are using it as a litmus test. It is. Almost. It is a oh. litmus test. Yes. Yeah. And um, that that's that cover and the discussion around it circled the globe. It, I mean, I really saw did. it in so many media outlets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that but, never cover comics. But, but I, but I, <laughs> you know, and I think that's a real turning point too. So, uh, you know, just in terms of people are not taking it mm-hmm. for granted that this is how women are portrayed in comics anymore. And I mean, in some ways, in the same way, I mean, as we look back on on how pop culture and particularly comics culture. Uh, uh, has exploded since the late 90s or so. Uh, we, we talk about uh, many different things contributing to that, including the Internet. But I do think that, once again, the Internet al- have allowed basically women's voices to rise up. Absolutely. You can't Absolutely. really isolate them away now. And and you've got to deal with significant questions right. uh, and right. when they're not happy. And, and, I mean, what amazes me the most, I know, I know we're off on such a tangent here, but, you know, what amazes me the most is... Uh, especially like, you know, with, with Brett's research, which, uh, I feel is very groundbreaking. It was backed up by Eventbrite, backed up by all, but where he really showed that, you know, for this, this, this 45, between 40 and 50% of the readership or the fan base being female is very, very consistent. And every time this number comes up, I, I love reading the comments because some idiot will get in there and say, well, this isn't a survey. And, you know, how do you, you know, you're just imagining all this and, uh, you know, we look back, and, and a lot of these people are part of the men's rights movement. Yeah, right. I mean, they're they're of just course. trolls. They're just yeah. trolls. But I mean, it amazes me that you can say these things. That I I I, I kind of love that it's that politicized. I love that just saying yeah. that this audience yeah. exists gets people so upset. Yeah. You know, I, I think some people were hoping that there would be somewhere they didn't have to actively scare girls out of. So they could still have somewhere where they could hide from us. It's right. a very strange. I don't, I don't know why they want to hide from us, but they've got their issues. Whatever. Mm-hmm. It's a very strange moment where 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 people feel this need to deny the presence of women in in all of these areas. Yeah, and I mean, I, it's I, ha- I have bizarre. Se- yeah, and I have seen though some people who are not MRAs who are unfortunately actual fans who are crazy. Um, actually show up in comics and go, but I had to suffer for my geekhood, and I just feel like women don't <laughs> suffer because they're hot. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, <laughs> wait a minute, like, what I'm does like, that even how, how mean? Does even like, <laughs> one, even if we're talking about a guy, just because he didn't suffer doesn't mean he's not a real fan. And two, women don't suffer like you do. Oh, poor baby. I know. I know, I know, it's fascinating. Well, they're another species. Yeah, and, uh, you know, anyway, all of this, you know, like I said, I wish you guys would come down sometime, because it really is a nice... uh, I'm going to get it together. It's so much better than New York Comic Con. (laughs) Well, I mean, is it it really better, or is it just smaller? Well, I mean, if you want to... It's way better if you want to have a good time. I mean, it's just more pleasant in every single way. But, uh, you know, I also went to the Harvey Awards on... Saturday night and um, Gail Simone. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. more of the same. Uh, Gail Simone delivered the keynote speech. 
which sadly she has not put online. I, I was hoping yeah. she would. And so my dr literally after a big glass of wine notes that I typed are the only memory of it. And uh, but I they seem to be pretty accurate, so I'm very happy about that. Wine makes everything more accurate. It really does. It's, <laughs> I, I'm amazed in reading it back. It's just how I remembered it happening. But uh, anyway, she spoke about the same thing. And she, yeah. you know, she mentioned creating the Women in Refrigerators website 15 years ago, and and even then, you know, she said she gets, uh, you know, complaints, and death threats, and and you know, she but she talked about her closing line was. Uh, you know, you're not just making better comics; you're making comics better. And you Great. know, uh, that was Absolutely. a good, good keynote. Um, I mean, I, I know oftentimes, and and sometimes I hear it from you, and sometimes I feel it myself. You know, we we go into the latest outrage and the latest stupidity, and go, "Oh my God, there's so much stupidity all the time. Why do we even talk about stupidity anymore?" But I think it adds up. I think it helps. I think the drumbeat of no. Just no. Just, just look around. No. I mean, yeah, so just we, look, stop. The, the crazies chime in, but I mean, one of the things we're talking about every week is the wealth of material that's right. out there. Yeah. It's like the it's wealth like, of creators, the diversity yes, of the creators and the fans. So yeah, yeah it's yeah, and it's I, I, women are not right. going to go away, and they're not yeah. going to shut up. And good stuff from everybody is going to continue Absolutely. to come out. Yeah. Absolutely. And I mean, I'm a first firm believer in you know picking your outrage a little bit and keeping a little bit in in yeah. reserve for well, when something really well, yeah, outrageous every, every, happens. But but you're right, and this is why you know I pray that in even five years we'll have a lot less of these conversations. Well, let's hope you know? so. But um, well, let's know. talk about the Harveys. Have, I think well, you have yeah. to have more of the conversations before you have less of the conversations. I agree with that. <laughs> well, I agree with that. But I hope that's likely to happen as well. Yeah, or not that. because the internet. Well, uh, I mean, has this yeah. might be it. This yeah. might be the time. I don't know. We well, might no. we might be at peak outrage. That would be amazing. <laughs> I, I wonder. I mean, there's been I don't so know. much in of pop it. culture. I don't know. Um, the Harveys. The Harveys. Yes. Uh, you know, uh, they were uh, about some of the winners. Predictable uh, saga, of course. Of course. I was, I was, I was artist, surprised that Battle Pug won best online comic. Yeah, you mm -hmm. know, the Harveys are a little bit predictable, I think, uh, in that way. But you know, I was a little surprised that the Fifth Beetle won best graphic novel and best journalistic presentation. Not, I surprised not, that it's not a good book, but you know, such a crowded. Yeah, it keeps it, winning it over. I mean, I don't know what was in the category for the Harveys, but I'm. It, it seems to be winging out against really, really amazing. Is uh, and, it um, is interesting I mean, it though. Is a, a terrific book. Yeah. It is interesting, though, that Chip Zdarsky is showing up as new talent. Well, that, you know, the Harveys <laughs> are definitely not quite as uh, respected as some other awards, and that's one of the reasons why. I mean, Chip, I remember reading Chip's comics in uh, yeah. when I worked at DC in 2001. Yeah. So he is hardly a newcomer. Yeah. And in 13 fact, years is not new. Yeah, so he probably should have been vetted for that. And um, But he, he <laughs> yeah. sent a really funny accepted speech. He said, uh, you know, he said, I am 38 year old, 38 years old and struggle with impotency. So this is very encouraging. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Not you, bad Kip. for it a promising is. new talent. Yes, yes, promising new talent. <laughs> You're right. All right. Most impotent new yeah. talent. Well, you know, uh, and so just moving on here, but, uh, you know, one of the things about Baltimore is that it's quite often a double where you go down one weekend to Baltimore and then the next weekend. You go just a little bit further to Bethesda for Small Press yeah, Expo, which is this weekend. To the so. Washington, D.C. area, and my hometown. Calvin will be coming on down. I'll be there. And um, look, uh, I, I, there's a story on uh, publishersweekly.com slash comics. Um, SBX, that's the Small Press Expo, cel celebrating their 20th anniversary. Uh, they missed one show in 2001 after the 9-11 attacks. And it's another lineup of terrific artists. Um uh, special guests, 
Keith Knight, uh, Linda Berry, um, uh, John Porcelino is going to be um, oh, interviewed. Oh, God, no, they, 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 it's really an amazing lineup. Uh, you know, Drew Friedman is there for the first time. Yes. Uh, There's Bob, a focus Mimi on alt weekly, the alt weekly press. Yeah, um, a, uh, two days Graham, of Graham, Emily yeah, Carroll, yeah, absolutely. Uh, just um, the list goes on. Um, they're going to be. Uh, there's a panel about the uh, Iranian cartoonists. Uh, what does it say? Mana, uh, Mana Nehistani, uh, Yeah, and the list goes on. <laughs> and the, actually, they're going to be screening uh, the documentary. Uh, was it Root Hog and Die? About John Porcelino, mm -hmm, right. and, and he'll be there to discuss the film. Yeah, I mean, this is just, you know, a couple of years ago, uh, Small Press Expo had kind of the all-time great lineup of the dream lineup of the Hernandez brothers and mm. Chris Ware and Adrian Tomine and, and uh, Dan Klaus. And this year, they have the, uh, you know, it's there's just so many great yeah. people there. I mean, the Alt Weekly idea, such a, a yeah. focus on them is so amazing. You know, so many great people got their start sure. there, you know, from Lyndon Barry and, yeah. and uh, you know, Tom Tomorrow. Yes, Ruben he'll Bali, be there as well. Uh, he'll be there as well. I mean, well. just... Maybe, Durf. He, yeah, Durf, Durf Knight. I mean, geez, Louise. series for years uh, yeah. in, in uh, what was it, New York Press? Yep, 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 yep. Um, 90s nostalgia, yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah, no, it's going to be great. And, but, oh my, but the social events that seem to be, like, like Small Press Expo is always known for its youthful joy de vivre but you know calvin usually cut out again before i, I used to know in the early years i used to go to both days but these days i really just go for saturday so i, I do miss that. i miss some of the shenanigans well um, this year seems like it's really got shenanigans yeah um you know it's, uh, there's apparently going to be a wedding where yes. where simon hanselman who is a uh yes. cross-dressing cartoonist from Tanzania, just like uh rocky horror picture show uh, he is going to marry comics. Yes. <laughs> yes. And he, in a way, he'll be the bride, uh, apparently. <laughs> yeah. And uh, but then they're, and they're after, a lovely couple. After the Ignatzes, there's <laughs> going to be a prom. There you go. You want a nerd prom? Well, we'll give well, you a nerd prom. Yeah, and I mean the like it's crazy. Like the people talking about putting up dresses. I I, I don't even know whether to go with the flow or just stand yeah, yeah. back. But and this is after the Ignatz Awards. This is after the Ignatz Awards. Yeah. yeah, but uh, it's it's uh, you know the, no more talk. As I said on Twitter the other day, no more talk about the the pig roast. It's going to be the prom. <laughs> there well, you go. There's you know, the well, uh, and, and geek friendly vintage store that a friend of mine runs down there will have a, a good couple there weeks go. ahead of there. Yes. And we, we should say that, you know, SBX also, this is the personification of Heidi's uh, uh, category of right. festival, the Comics Arts Festival. Yes, this is the like, calf. This is, yeah. this is the advice. Probably is the one perfect. of the first calves, Yeah, really. one of the earliest, if not the earliest. Yeah. I'm not sure about that. Yeah. But. And I mean, it's very, uh, you know, just Baltimore and SPX. Uh, I mean, Baltimore is a different city. But, you know, the Washington, D.C. metro area has a really strong... Uh, a comic space. I mean, there's some great stores around yeah. there. I mean, everybody mentions Big Planet. Um, you know, Third Eye is located in, in Virginia. Laughing Ogre has some outlets in Virginia. These are really great stores that sell a lot of indie comics. And, you know, great uh, yeah. retailers make great fan base. There must be some better stuff. I mean, I, I, I haven't really lived in D.C. for years. Even though it's my hometown. But, I mean, in, years ago, there weren't really strong comic stores mm. in the city. I'm not sure what it is like now right. apparently they seem in baltimore and the surrounding areas there seem to be some really strong stores well, so you know even comic stores aside and not just comics but there's always been a very strong fan community in the baltimore washington area for some reason i mean if you just look at the sheer number of science fiction conventions mm -hmm. yeah right i mean going back 30 years it's huge yeah well yeah. there's a big 
uh, you know, not to put too fine a point on it, there's a lot of original nerds down there, you know? I mean, <laughs> there there's go. a lot of aerospace, yeah. there's a lot of government wonks who are actually nerds, and, you know, it's a very it's a very nurturing environment, I, I feel. And and luckily, they're nerds who are well-paid, so they can go to SPX and drop all these bills and all these books. So uh, I haven't even begun to... I mean, I'm sure Calvin and I will both be coming back with our bags bursting fall of... Oh, you always yes. do. It blows we out always the budget. do. We always uh, even do. when I tell myself I'm not going to to you know you know I'm media you can give them to me I'm still buying I know I, I still, do too I can't still buy myself. you just have to do it. well and it's like about four thousand fans mm-hmm. uh, in the hotel ballroom uh, expanded last year yes this too has um, grown so once again the art comics are bursting yes. at the seams and um, uh, you know we'll be doing interviews there I'm sure yes. you'll be hearing uh, more to come on that yes. on this very podcast so yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm moving, but uh, moving along, um, another convention that was held this weekend, a little bit of controversy. Pudupa. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, y- you may remember that uh, San Diego Comic-Con had made their displeasure yes. with Salt Lake City Comic-Con uh, visible in the most vehement way possible through a lawsuit over the words Comic Con, right? Oh, uh, and as I mentioned, we I believe, went through that as well. With I them. believe <laughs> they didn't sue them, but I think we talked about that that their ire uh, of mm, the com- of San Diego had yes. been, had been sparked by the fact that the Salt Lake City people had a car and were driving around promoting. Oh, those Comic-Con. vicious little upstarts! <laughs> yes, yes, how dare they? Yes, yes, yes. Well, I I, I have to tell you, uh, Salt Lake City. It's only a third event. They. Did the first one a year ago, and then they did a fan X in the spring, and the one last last year drew eighty thousand people. And then the one in the spring, they predicted a hundred thousand people, and they had a hundred thousand people. For this one, they had one hundred twenty thousand to one hundred thirty thousand people. So they, they say, they say, they say, <laughs> and they've had you know exponential growth. And uh, I looked at you know I'm a you know I look at a lot of these things. Uh, I looked up the capacity of the venue, and it was only 82,000 people. Uh, when I wrote so. that, I got an email from the con director saying, the capacity is actually 150,000, uh, but he didn't have a source for that. But, you know, I mean, be that as right. it may, there was a lot of Clearly, people there. Yeah. There was a lot of people there. But, I mean, there's also, um, there's just, a, you know, some controversy. There was a lot, terrible lines. I mean, we talk about this all the time, where people have to stand in line. They they were for four hours, apparently. They were standing on the wrong lines. People never got in. Who bought tickets? Yada 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 yada. Oh, and, ouch. Yeah, and the other thing about the Salt Lake City show is it's very nerd liberty heavy. I mean, they had like John Barrowman there and mm. William Shatner and you know that kind of thing. And Stan Lee, Stan Lee was there, and he said it was the best kind of con on he earth. Always says <laughs> he that. always says that. Yeah. Thank so, you, Stan. So you know, I investigated a little bit. Um, I mean, I am, I'll admit it, I'm just suspicious of any show that says, uh, you know, oh, we're setting out to draw 100,000 people, and then sends out a press release and says, <laughs> guess what, we drew 100,000 people. And when I asked how they did it, they said, well, we estimated that for every adult there was 0.7 of a child. And I'm like, really? Because... <laughs> so they, they so... added up all of these child fragments yes and they <laughs> also, imaginary yes, children so. imaginary child fragments and you know they gave away tickets i, I mean whatever i mean I, i'm not disputing i would guess there's probably about eighty thousand people there yeah. i think that's probably nothing to you know yeah, dismiss be, but i, I just i i think you know i mean even though we joke about new york comic-con here uh you know the show's going on its 10th year and 
Uh, but it's San Diego, enormous. Yeah, but San Diego and New York and, and Fan Expo in Toronto, they've been around a while. They've really mm-hmm. worked hard and they've got huge crowds that are in the six figures, you know? I mean, yeah. uh, Salt Lake City is yeah. not that big a market. And they have verifiable numbers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they're, they, you know, I mean, I track these things. They're, they're verifiable. So I think it's interesting that this con who is controversial just comes in and says, you know, well, yeah, we had 130,000 people there, mm-hmm. you know? And, and, so. it, and it obscures the fact that, you know, They've probably had some growth, but yeah. you know, but yeah. these numbers and, you end up and, talking about the numbers and not about and, well, the show. <laughs> and frankly, they're not doing themselves any favors. No, they're not. If they gave out reliable, respectable numbers, those would be astonishingly good. And everyone right. would be happy for them, and right. they look good. Yes, they there, would. There's and, no need for them to be the boasting guy at the yeah. bar. Yeah, exactly. And trash uh, talking Comic Cons. Yeah, I've yeah. had it up to here. Uh-huh. Well, <laughs> I've heard that. Uh, you know, I heard from some people. You know, who are there? Maybe comic sales were. It's not very. It's not really a very comic centric show. But you know, hey, listen. Obviously, there's a huge, huge thirst. Yeah. For nerd liberties yeah. and the comic the, 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 the costumes are great. I mean, there's yeah. a thirst for this kind of event everywhere. Uh, and you know, I'm glad people went and had a good time who could yeah. get in. So, you uh, you know, it's just, you know, let's, let's, um, you know, the people who play fair and square will do better in yeah. the long run. That's all I'll say. But so. one thing we do know, this phenomenon is happening all over the place. All over the world. All over the world to lead into read pop. Just, uh, um, has reached an agreement, a partnership with Comic-Con India. Yeah. And they run three shows. Was it, is it three? No, they run four shows. Four shows. They won one in Mumbai, one in Hyderabad, one in Bangalore, and one in Delhi. Ah, okay. Yeah. There you go. Um, and they're planning all of, to do more now that they've teamed and, up with Reed. And mm-hmm. these shows range from thirty-five or 40,000 up to 50,000. Those are the yeah. numbers that uh, I've seen about about some of these shows right. in Mumbai and Not New surprised. Delhi. Yeah. So, and, uh, you know, when you look at, again, the photos for these shows, it's obvious that uh, the readers, the fans, are, are having the Comic-Con experience. And, you know, Reed has packed into the past with a show in Singapore and with Australia. Mm, yeah. They show uh, European Star Wars celebrations. Uh, you know, they're in expansion mode. And uh, uh, I will say that I met the guys from uh, Comic-Con India last year at New York Comic-Con. They seemed very, very mm-hmm. on the ball. Um you know, really, yes. really smart guys. And well, these shows, I hear nothing but good things about well, these shows. Here's well, a question. Um, San Diego Comic-Con became Comic-Con International and has shows all... Do they actually have any shows outside the United States? Or did Reed Pop become an international Comic-Con <laughs> company before Comic-Con International? That is true. <laughs> that That's is an true. interesting point. Yeah. Um, I think we probably could say yes. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Reed throw shows around the world anyway yeah that that's their business um now the business of them showing consumer pop shows around the world is fairly recent and really has hinged on what they've been able to do with new york comic-con they've they've taken that and their their expertise from that and really grown a whole division of the company that did not exist before new york comic-con right. and started. you know i think they Reed have pop. some growing pains as with um you know special edition which wasn't all that special <laughs> uh, well, although that's being rolled out as a template for new business ventures, so we haven't heard the last about how they're going to utilize. Yeah, yeah I think it was an special edition. It yeah. was, it was. Uh, and I think we're going to hear more from them on that format yeah. in other venues. Yeah, yeah, we yeah definitely, not necessarily we, New York. We definitely are, but uh, yeah. you know, anyway, I mean, we talk about huh. this 
all the time on the show, the growth of convention culture, yeah. and um, nothing we've seen this week yeah. has shown any decrease of that. And just to jump back to Comic-Con India just for a second, one of the interesting things specifically for publishers is that there's a huge English language fandom yeah. in there. This is uh, – I've interviewed Kevin Hamrick at Viz Media. Uh, they very recently – I think it was in 2013 – started uh, shipping uh, – print manga into India, they, very often they didn't. It was a gray market at first. Basically, retailers yeah. were bri- buying their books on the open market, bringing them in and selling them. Uh, but now they've started uh, legal importations in, and it's been going gangbusters. Uh, Hamrick has been going to all of these shows we're talking about. Uh, the fans want the same... The fans in India want the same things that the fans here in the U.S. Right. Want, but- I mean... Yeah, it has the advantage that for various historical reasons, all kinds of newspapers and books and publishing and education in India is done in English. Yeah, former and British so, colony, sure. Yeah, so you have, um, former British colony had several different languages in it. Yes. And so you have a lot of people who can read English. Yeah. Yes. And so you don't need to retranslate in order to but get it into people's hands Interestingly, there. one of the things I was told by the guys who run the show when I spoke to them last year is that the... The audiences there don't really differentiate between uh, what we would call superhero comics and mm. indie comics. Like, they love indie comics there. Yeah. And the actual uh, Indian cartooning is much more toward... The, 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 cause there it's, are, it's, a, it's a lot like indie comics. Yeah, it's yeah. Very... They're way more indie in their sensibility uh-huh. and in the art styles and everything. But, uh, you know, the first indie comic con, India Comic Con, I think our Crumb was the guest. I mean, that was yeah. their dream. And he went... <laughs> Because his wife wanted to go. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that was the dream guest sure. for them was R. Crumb. And I know other, you know, like Fanographics cartoonists have gone for mm. second goes and they have an amazing time. And so uh, it's a very, very, I mean, I use the word, it's a very Catholic audience, <laughs> you know, in the terms that they have very broad interests. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's 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 very exciting. It's yeah, really and, exciting. And a I hope I go. Come on, I want to be I a know, guest. I All know. three of us. I, you know what? Love Sorry, go. Baltimore. I'd really love yeah, to go yeah, to, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to the yeah. Indian Comic Con. <laughs> it's it's such there's such a large English speaking population there that this can only grow. Right. This is oh, it, a it's huge growing. expanding market, it's not just growing. for Comic Cons, but for comics. It's, yeah. it's definitely there's and, definitely more to come and here. There, absolutely, and I mean it's not just going to be India. I mean there's yeah. going to be other territories as yeah. well. So yep, All more right. to come. News briefs. News briefs. Well, Heidi, you have a news brief for us. Oh, well, uh, yes, Alan Moore has finished his novel, Jerusalem. He's finished the first draft of his novel, uh, which he's been working on. I remember talking to him in now for the rewrite. 2005, <laughs> and he was working on it. It's taken him about a decade. But why? Well, is he a slow writer or just a lengthy writer? Well, he says it tops out at over a million words. So by comparison, all of... Uh, I've seen various comparisons, but by, uh, all seven of the Harry Potter books top out at about a million words. Granted, they have a rather large type. I think the Bible is 700,000 words. Um, so it's longer than the Bible. It's it? longer than the Bible. Uh, you know, as Neil Gaiman said, uh, you know, when a book, uh, unless a, a volume can be used to stun an intruder, it isn't really a, a literary It's <laughs> really film. a serious book. Yeah, right? it's not a serious it's, work. Yes. But, uh, so, so... Thoughtful <laughs> and deadly in its own way. <laughs> so by those standards, it shall surely be a great epic of literature. Yeah. Well, I'll be very curious. I mean, it definitely sounds like, you know... A, <laughs> Apparently a, no uh, pictures. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it sounds like a little, you know, Thomas Pynchon mixed with, uh, um, 
you know, Stan Lee here. But, um, <laughs> you know, still, uh, now, now to copy it. Now yeah. to copy it at these million words. So that may take another 10 years. Well, yeah, and, and we can only hope that he doesn't do George R. R. Martin-style edits where he finishes the first draft and then decides he's going to rewrite the second half of the book well, because he, he's had a better idea. He sounds like, based on his descriptions of it, it's really more like every chapter is a some kind of literary pastiche. Like one of them is... Um, uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, some of them sound so complicated. I don't know. Like the last chapter is written like a John Dos Passos novel, and then other ones are written in the form of of, of like morality plays. I mean, it's typical Alan Moore. Yeah, what do you... I, I love pastiches, but at a million words, I feel like the pastiche <laughs> thing might get old. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's a lot of different kinds. Every chapter is a different approach. But anyway, I really, yeah. really, really <laughs> hope that, that this book does get published in our lifetimes and in Alan's lifetime. Uh, I hope because, it's good. Because it sounds like, I mean, he really has put a lot of work He's put his whole life into it. He's put his whole life into it. He's really, uh, every time he talks about the book, he speaks with joy about yeah. it. And uh, I think it'll be quite the literary event when it comes out. Yeah. Yes, and speaking of literary events, Marvel Comics has reached the point where they, not even cheeky fans, but they officially are putting out videos explaining the background <laughs> to their event so that you can pick up the comic and not be too confused. The Sorry, event, yes. event and com question is called Avengers and X-Men Axis. Even I, a um, big comic book and superhero fan and deeply confused about where the heck this Isn't is it, going. I, I watched it, the video and I was baffled. I, I mean, I, I thought the art was nice, but I, other than that, I, I, well, <laughs> I, 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 wouldn't, mean, I would hope no one would give me a quiz on it. I, I will say that it is um, apparently tying into... Uncanny Avengers, Captain America, Loki, yeah, Agent yeah, of Asgard, yeah, yeah, Magneto. Right, yeah. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Are you taking and, notes out and, there? And, and in further, podcast furthermore, land? two of these comics are by Rick Remender, who is well known for writing sort of off the wall, disjointed, what continuity comics. Now you've got to deal with two of them in one pot, all mixed together. I don't even know. This looks like it's going to be like more confusing and hard to read than Cosmic Marvel, and that's saying a lot. And I say this is someone who likes Cosmic Marvel, so um, I I don't know what this is going to do yeah. for sales. Like, if you have to have an explanatory video, how many new fans are you going to bring in? What was their last event? Original Sin. I mean, the sales of that were pretty mediocre by event standards. I mean, by event sold... standards, and that one you didn't even have to know much for. Yeah, that one. Well, <laughs> that I was, was fairly self-contained. I was sort of into Original <laughs> Sin. You know, the idea of peeping, peeping toms and all that stuff. You know, like the Watcher. I mean, you know. But uh, anyway, yeah, uh, they had an awesome um, giveaway, which is the eyes. So uh, <laughs> yeah, Axis. You know. All right. Well, you know, maybe, maybe if it doesn't do so well. They'll think about how many tie-ins you have to read in order to figure out what the heck's going on. And in parallel worlds. Yes, let's not even go into the parallel worlds, okay. shall well, we? Thanks, Marvel, we think. But uh, speaking of a highly anticipated tie-in, Rose of Versailles, the shoujo manga classic um, from the 1970s. The very last volume was published in 1974, for its 40th anniversary, came out with a new volume of side stories featuring characters from the epic. Now, was it done by the original artist? I wasn't sure um, about that. It, yeah. It, yeah. Yeah, it was. Okay. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's by Ryoko Akita. Yeah. Just like the original, the art is 
unmistakable. Yes. And yeah, it, it doesn't alter the course of the story. Mm-hmm. It just sort of adds yeah. No, some... was she one of the 49ers or I'm not sure. She's technically. But she she just influenced so many things yeah. that came next. I mean, you would not have Utena, you would not even arguably have Sailor Moon. Right. Mm-hmm. right. You would not have so many things without um Rosa Versailles, which is if you haven't heard of it, listeners, is a uh, pre and during French Revolution sort of adventure tragedy with the dashing Lady Oscar, who is the uh, female captain of the guard for uh, Marie Antoinette. Disguised as a man. Well, she was raised as a boy, but she just sort of gives up on the disguise and is just sort of (laughs) a dashing female swordsman. And... um, you know, there's there's much romantic pining and love triangles and sword fights and French Revolution tragedy. But it was it was it was a pioneer of all. ten volume epic, yeah. which is justly famous and is now available on DVD in English. Ah, um, just recently. So, you know, I mean, 40th anniversary. It's it's astonishing. After 40 years, you don't think there's going to be more, but there was. Yeah. And the fans are very happy about it. They're they're very pleased with it. It hasn't come into English yet, but from the people who can read Japanese, they say it's good. All right. Okay. We'll defer to them for sure. <laughs> for now. And um, <laughs> also speaking of comics that have been around for a long time, Archie Comics has announced their new superstar writer for their <laughs> upcoming miniseries. Lena Dunham. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, they're they're of girls. Yes. Well, well, you know, <laughs> I I can I can believe that she is a big Archie fan. She says she is. Yes. Yeah, so no. She. You know. Yeah. She, she was on Jimmy Kimmel. I think that's the clip I looked at anyway. Yeah. And yes, she seems yeah. to be a real fan. Oh yeah. And I mean, I can see that that Archie would feed into her sort of comedy of errors sensibility. But she's decided she's going to do a feminist Archie update. Um, which will mention reality shows, but not have any breasts, yes. which she yes. says was hard for her. Yeah. Well, you know, I I think that this is what we were talking about. That's top of the show about the demographic change. Um, I, I I put this. I actually was talking about this with some folks at Baltimore, but you know, like you can see, girls is kind of the the uh, teens version of Sex in the City, uh, which is you know the '90s classic HBO yeah. sexy lady show. And it would be impossible to imagine any of the characters on Sex of the City uh, reading, let alone writing comics. Okay? Whereas, yeah, no. Yeah. Whereas now, it seems completely natural sure. for mm-hmm. uh, Lena Dunham and Hannah to be, and I, you know, I think there's even been a couple, of, like, oblique mentions of this kind of stuff on the show. But, uh, you know, it, it is really, like, I, I always call it the, the, this is the final territory. When, well, when Sex of the City type uh, adult well, women are into comics. That yeah. is really the final. Well, I, I don't think this has quite reached that point because part of what makes Sex and the City very different from girls is girls is like the, they aren't actually that together. They aren't actually that glamorous show where they want to be glamorous. They want to be exciting, um, mature, suave <laughs> New Yorkers. In some ways, I mean, it seems like these these are the sort of the generation after uh, oh, Sex yeah. in the City, yeah, the, if not the daughters, in some ways of, of some of the yeah. of that generation of character, and uh, and who are who sort of aspire to that much, but are not going to let the urge for coolness stop them from doing what they actually like, which may in hmm. fact be actually put this dorky. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, that's so true. I can. 
I can definitely... I don't think the kind of person who would have been a Sex in the City character, the kind of person who's like, I'm totally Carrie, is necessarily openly admitting to reading comics no, yet. No, I, I agree but, with that. But, I, but, but it is fitting into that, you know, HBO, yeah. prestige show population niche but i think it's i think this is a demographic change in general you know when sex of the city came out the internet was unknown you know or or as the internet was only for for you know real hardcore nerds you know now everyone is on the internet and and that's why we've seen the ascendance of nerd culture i mean i think nerd culture is a lot more widespread it really than it was it 20 really years is. ago you know, and even I, if it's even if it's an informal knowledge, I mean that you know, once again, there's a whole culture of people that are that are interested in comics, read them, not necessarily obsessed with them about like all the people we know, but right. it's a, it's just a normal part yes. of, of like another good book, another interesting thing that they read. Well, yeah. in a way, I feel like comics may be slowly returning to their rightful pre-Wortham place in culture. <laughs> yeah, I agree. That, I agree. That, that they, are, they are leaving their little box of things that are scary to most people and are sort of returning to the place of just being a thing you can read and enjoy. You know, and, and I, I also, I think kudos should go. I mean, there's a lot of turmoil at Archie in a lot of areas, but I, yeah. I have to say that the, the editorial direction that they've taken over the last five or six years to bring that uh, brand to a broader group to kind of transform the presumptions about who Archie is and and what I think it's been great. Yeah, I mean, and they've done it without losing like, any of their brand identity no, not or, at all. or any they've, of their they've soul. They've extended They're, their brand actually, and and yeah, bringing but, Lena Dunham in and some of the other things, particularly yeah. that this new creative director has done there. Yeah, but what great. I mean, what I mean is that you can overextend your brand in ways that. Your brand is no longer recognizable, but Archie yeah, has yeah. had that magic touch of never losing their archiness, even as they add zombies, even as they add, you know, adult alternate realities. Yeah, yeah. They're still undeniably yeah. I mean, quintessentially Archie. Realistic drawing styles. They've, they've been able to just take the brand, and, and I think because of that, really reach new readers. Well, you know, that's they what say... They say, the yeah, they say the word iconic is overused, but I mean, that's the reality. If there was ever a time when it was fitting, it's for Archie yeah. comics. They yeah. are iconic. You know, yeah. Archie Andrews is an icon, Jughead, Betty and Veronica. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they are archetypes that we could project every single foible and, uh, uh, you know, dream or, and pratfall onto. So, um, you know, they were, yeah, I, they were honed. They've been yeah. honed in the, in so the pop I'm, culture I'm imagination. I'm looking forward to seeing uh Lena Dunham's take on Archie um uh she talked on, on that clip uh link she talked a little bit about uh, mm-hmm. about uh, Betty and Veronica slash fiction <laughs> so but she promised that it wouldn't be anything like that <laughs> so more to come oh yeah. that's coming in a few more yeah, to yeah. come yeah. Yes. yes Jimmy Kimmel was shocked yes <laughs> oh how shocking it's not like nobody's ever <laughs> yeah. told that joke yes. before what do they need Archie for there you go so yeah anyway um, we're, we're, we're anxiously waiting to see the uh, girls yes. girls goes Archie yep <laughs> yep well, uh, I guess that's about it for this yeah. week. Yeah. Until then, there will be more to come.